Hello, brothers and sisters. Pastor Jason here. Hope you all are doing well today. I want to remind you to go to pastorbites.com and review our website. Look at the different links we have to be able to receive your podcast at your preferred platform. And also, there's a questions page and enter any questions that you would have you'd like to be answered on a podcast. But today, I want to talk to you about a very familiar topic, a very sensitive topic. And the topic today is depression. And I'm I'm not going to make an attempt to try to cover this topic completely because it would take hours and hours and uh, there's just exhausted resources on this that there's books that's been written you know 500 page books on this topic but I do want to have an overview of it to help you understand the perspective and I want to start with some statistics today and the statistics are there are 300 million people around the world who have depression according to the World Health Organization there are 16.2 million adults in the United States equaling 6.7% of all adults in the country have experienced a major depressive episode in the past year. 10.3 million U.S. adults experience an episode that result in severe impairment in normal daily life. Nearly 50% of all people diagnosed with depression are also diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. So we see that there it's a huge problem in the world, in the United States, and there's tons of other statistics out there. You can look them up on Google. There's other studies on antidepressants that are on the rise for the people that back up these statistics. And also, you know, we know that depression also leads to suicide. And you know, suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. It's the second leading cause of death among ages 15 to 24. Wow. Second leading cause. 44,000 Americans die by suicide each year. Females attempt suicide twice as often as males. Males are four times as likely to die by suicide. Because why? Because males use more precise efforts on suicide. 494,169 individuals visited hospitals in the United States due to self-harm in 2016. Almost half a million people visited a hospital because of self-harm. It's estimated that 15% of the adult population will experience depression at some point in their lifetime. 15%. This is a huge topic. And, you know, uh, from a biblical standpoint, I want to come to you today and talk to you about what I've experienced, the training I've had, but also what I've experienced in counseling people and throughout the years, what God's given me uh, just to touch on the subject. And, you know, the hard thing about this is, is that the big mental illness thing, that you know we've we've talked about and people argue about hey you know uh, it's a disease and that's a theory that it's a disease and there's just nothing you can do you can just basically treat the symptoms if you will and that's basically the medical model and the medical model says that you know as they observe symptoms they can see that there are problems that are in the brain there are chemicals in the brain there are things that have been affected one way or the other you basically have a physical impairment and that's just what you're what you're stuck with and basically the answer to that medical model is is that we give medication and do you know let me stop there a second you know medication is never suggested by even secular psychology it's never suggested that there be medicine alone there should never be a time when a person's given medication that they're not also given counsel it just doesn't work it's not effective they don't haven't had a good response to that type of treatment there's not anything wrong with medication i want to state that right off the bat i have no problem with medication 
medication. You know, I have to take medication. I don't necessarily take depression medication, but I have to take medication for my blood sugar to keep it down. And uh, I can do the best I can with diet and have changed things drastically, but still I have to have medications. My body doesn't produce the insulin. So how can I look at someone depressed and say, no, you shouldn't take that. You know, the bottom line is if you've taken medication and it's helped, and I always tell people stick with the medication. Why wouldn't you? I stick with mine for my blood sugar to stay down. Why wouldn't you stick with the medication? But simply Christians can be depressed. That's another thing I want to say. Depression is, it was throughout the Bible. Anybody that's read the Bible, Elijah was depression, went to the cave, ran from Jezebel after he called fire down from heaven. There was a great uh, thing that happened. And then Jezebel threatens him. He runs off. He gets depressed. He goes to a cave. He stands in the cave. And then God says to him after a great journey across the desert, then Elijah stands there in the cave and God says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? I mean, he was depressed. He was down. The angel of the Lord visited Elijah on the way and made him cakes and said, you know, light, you know, eat, get up, eat. He had slept. And then Elijah went back to sleep. And then the angel wakes him up and feeds him again. I mean, he was malnutritioned. He was depressed. He hadn't eaten. He was on a journey all by himself, told his other servant, hey, go away. I'm going to handle this myself. I mean, he was depressed. He was in a place of isolation. And, you know, David was depressed. David was depressed after his great fall and his great sin with Bathsheba. And, and you can just time and time again, see people in the Bible that were depressed and had struggles. And, and it's a natural thing. It happens. But, you know, medication's not wrong. Christians can be depressed, but there's still some things that we can do, some basic principles that we can do that can help us. And that one of the first things that I find it hard with treating depression or talking about depression is God has designed us in a way. He's designed the body. He, he made us in his image. We're made in his likeness. We're a triune being. You know, we're body, soul, and spirit. And we have to make sure, first of all, that we're right with God. How can we think that we can continue in sin? The apostle Paul said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. See, sometimes we're treating people or we're trying to help people. And the truth is, is that they just don't want to get right with God. They're going against God. You know, when when Saul was going against, that later became Paul, when he was going against Jesus, Jesus knocked him off his donkey and said, Saul, Saul, why do you kick against the goads? Why do you do this? Why do you, why do you fight against what I'm trying to do? And we need to make sure we're not fighting against what God's trying to do. You know, have we been right with God? Have we made a profession of faith? Have we walked hand in hand with the master? Those things were very important. And the secular world can look at us and say, well, that's just a narrow frame. Well, how effective has it been on the secular world treating depression? I don't see that it's worked very well. I don't see any positive statistics. I don't think we've curved this thing called depression. And I know some well-intended great Christian people that are in the mental health profession that, that love the Lord. And, and that's what they do per profession. I mean, they're, they work in mental health facilities and, you know, they really want to help people through Christ. But ultimately, you know, it's the people's decision to be able to help people. It's the people's decision. It's our decision if we're depressed to be able to seek God. It's our decision. And anybody in any mental health profession is going to try to help you. But if you deny the sin in your life and deny it, and by the way, most mental health professions, they're not going to come against homosexuality or they'll be sued because it's not considered disorder. But the Bible says homosexuality is a sin. You know, in a mental health profession, it's going to be difficult for them to come against your drinking alcohol because it's socially accepted. Now, not all of them. Some of them will tell you it's wrong, but the general majority of it is they're not going to call out sin. I mean, that's not their job. They're going to let that be between you and God. And I'm afraid sometimes we're treating people with medication and where sin is a habitual lifestyle. You know, Proverbs 11:14 says where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So where there is no counsel,
Council, people fall. 44,000 Americans die each year by suicide. They are falling. We need Christian counsel. And in a multitude of counselors, 1114 says, their safety. I have a multiple amount of counselors. I have five different people that I can go to with a problem I'm going through in my life that I'm struggling with. I have the Lord Almighty, first of all, but I also have other people, men of God, that I can talk to that are, the you know, some of them are counselors that literally do counseling in the biblical world. And also there are some of them that are just pastors or maybe even associates that I can go to and talk to and, and share things with. There's safety in a multitude of counselors. We really struggle so bad in life. We don't have a core group of people that we can really trust because sometimes when our emotions kick in, we can't be logical. You know, when our, it's like our emotional brain's running, our logical brain's kicked out and we're going through stressors. We need help through that. You know, the Bible is the answer. Jesus is the answer, but we need people in our life to be able to help us to be able to navigate through life at times. Sure, God's the ultimate reason that can direct us, talk to us through the power of the Holy Spirit, help us and lean into him and have the presence of God. And I believe in all that stuff. There's safety in a multitude of counselors and people are falling literally to their death because there is no counsel. There's no godly counsel. You know, we've seen people in our church that I tried to help them and talk to them, and it was great, and, and we've seen great success. But I have to connect them with two or three other people, and the first thing I do is get involved in the church, get involved in a Bible study. Get in, If it's a woman, get involved in the woman's Bible study. If it's a man, get in the men's ministry. I mean, and then all of a sudden, the church can do his work. God's called the church to stand up and help people that are hurting. That's what our church is. Our church is, is a hospital for for the hurting. If your church is not a hospital for the hurting, then find a different church. If my church here becomes a hospital not for the hurting, then I won't be my church anymore. So that's one thing you got to get right. You've got to know that if you are depressed, get yourself into the hospital for the hurting where we can be healed God's way. But one of the things we get in the house of God is truth. You need the truth. The, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. If you remain in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And see, it's the truth that sets you free. You have to remember, God has this thing set up in a way, this world, to where He is truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by Him. Through Jesus Christ, you'll find the truth. The Bible's full of truth. We need the truth. We need to get down because the devil has lied. He has sowed lies into our spirit. When we're young, things happen to people because we live in a fallen world. It's a difficult time when you're a young person. You you're abused. And it's horrible. I spend a, a lot of time with people that's been abused, that's been hurt. And you know, the world's full of hurt and the devil sows that lie into our life and says, we're no good or we're worthless or it's our fault. Or, you know, we shouldn't have been there because we're stupid. And he starts sowing these lies into our life at a young age. And then we believe the lie and the lie becomes our reality and it becomes who we are. So now because some person that was irresponsible and some person made a poor choice, now all of a sudden the devil's got us convinced through perceptions. Well, this keeps happening. Well, it keeps happening. This keeps happening. And all of a sudden, it's not your fault at all. You're in an abusive home. You're in an abusive situation. You've been neglected or you've been abused. It's not your fault. But the devil, all of a sudden, two or three things happen to you and it's your fault. Some of the people that live in a great Christian home and are raised by great parents, they don't understand this. There's always hurt, but you can't tell me that it's the same whenever someone hollers at you and makes you feel bad. And some people get molested by their own father, molested by their own uncle. 
some people get abused and burnt with cigarettes and left to starve and locked in closets. It's not the same thing. Yes, all trauma is trauma, and my hurts, the worst hurt I've ever felt is my hurt, but it doesn't mean that I have experienced what other people have. Some people have been through Hades. I mean, they have been through a struggle and hammered time after time by abuse, but you know what? The same God that set me free can set you free because God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we think or ask. You know, we haven't even touched the surface on truth in the Christian world. I've been doing this thing for about 15 years, and I find new truth all the time, but I'm hunting for it. I mean, I'm like a dog on a hunt. I'm searching for truth. Why? Because you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Free from what? Free from bondage? Free from what? Free from hurt? Free from what? Free from being a selfish, fleshly person? Free from what? Free to be the child of God that God's calling me to be? That's what the truth will do in your life, and it changes things. I've not just heard it or someone's told me. I've experienced it in my life and then shared the gospel and shared truth with people and saw freedom in their life. I've saw the power of God, the presence of God, change someone from a crying, frantic, anxious person and in five minutes when they get the truth of God, it changes to a smile and a peace and a healing. That's what the truth will do. But we can medicate ourselves to the trauma. Most most people now in the health professional world will say now that most there's one thing common in all things in addictions and depression and anxiety and all the disorders we can talk about, our key disorders, one thing that's common, it all tracks back to trauma. And trauma is the leading cause of all these problems. When you get to the root of it, because that's where the lie takes place. That's where the perceptions take place. And we need to be healed from that trauma. Every, You know what's great about being a Christian is, is we do go through trauma. And the Bible says he reigns on the just and the unjust alike. And that's so hard for people to understand. But just because you're a Christian doesn't mean there isn't going to be bad things happen to you. But you know what we have in the Christian walk? We have that community of connected people to where we're safety and a multitude of counselors we're talking to. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to heal us and walk us through. We have a dedication to the Lord in a relationship that allows us. So when the trauma happens, now we get the right perceptions. We get down to the right truth. See, when we were young, we didn't have that. We didn't, our brains weren't even fully developed to be able to understand the things of God. I work with people that are 30, 40, 50, 60 years old that are still trying to understand Bible and this Christian walk. But when we're young, we don't understand. But now as we get older and as we mature and we have that relationship with God, when trauma happens, now we put it in light of the Bible and the scripture. And now things that I used to struggle with for months and years. And by the way, some things for 10 years. Now when things happen, it affects me for a day or two or three or a week or maybe a month, but it's not going to be 10 years. That's the relationship with Christ when we leads us into truth and shows us about things and teaches us who we are and we get into his presence. It's so important, friends, that we abide in him. We abide in him. That's what we really need to remain in him. Jesus said it. We remain in my word. You are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We must remain in him. We must seek his presence. We must seek the word of God. And by the way, as we begin to grow, as we begin to get truth, do you know that God made us in a way that we're able to change? Physically, we're able to change. 
Our chemistry is able to change. You know, our brains were made, it's called neuroplasticity. Plasticity being able to change so our brains can change. And as we heal and as we're touched by God, as we're in the presence of God, we're in the Word of God, we're connected through community, all of a the sudden they can see on brain scans as you connect and as you heal that you, all of a sudden parts of the brain are beginning to light up and change and, you know, have more serotonin, have more dopamine, them natural chemicals. And sometimes it takes time, but God heals the brain. God heals the mind. He heals the spirit. And that's the ultimate goal that we tap into that light source called God and that we have his attributes and that we have his joy. The scripture says in Romans chapter 12, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. We are to be renewed line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. That's his plan. We're to be renewed. Sometimes I want to say, lastly, we really try to treat the symptom without changing the situation. And I'm afraid with a lot of the people that I've known through life, they're treating symptoms without changing the situation. Sir, ma'am, if you're under abuse, if you're under abuse, you need to change it. If you're having a difficult time in life and you constantly are being destroyed by another person, you need to change that relationship. Get out of it. I mean it. Get out of it. You say, well, I'm married to him. Well, get counsel. And if abuse doesn't stop, then you separate. Sometimes we may be stuck in situations that we're going to have hard times. We're going to have people that are hard to deal with. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when we have refused to change things in our life and set boundaries that keep us from being hurt and protect us from these situations, you know. Be careful, friends. One of the most important things is your community directly around you. Those are your friends that you're choosing. If you got people in your life that are constantly coming against you and hurting you and and taking advantage of you, whatever it may be, you need to get them out of your life. You need to connect to some people that are putting into you. We can't just have people that are taking from us. we got to have people that are putting into us. And if you change your community, you change your relationship with God, you get real with him, get involved in the local church. Listen, friends, I'm telling you, you'll see those symptoms to begin to deplete. What I'm saying is, is start changing your situation. Start changing. You know, repentance is simply turning away from your sin and turning away from your situations and becoming someone different. And, it, and it's difficult, but we have to do that. And then we have to grow in Christ. You know, there's steps of spiritual growth. I mean, there's so much free information, so many free Bible studies and videos, and there's just an endless realm of that. You know, stop taking intake into your life that's so negative, that's of the flesh. But truthfully, friends, a lot of times we want to have our cake and eat it too. We want to eat from the master's table, but we want to eat from the world too. I know things can happen, but are you seeking counsel? Are you making sure you're right with God? Are you really, truly dying to your flesh? Because I believe that God is the answer. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we think or ask. He changes us. Romans chapter 12 says that we're to have our mind renewed. We're to be changed. Friends, this thing called depression is real, but so is God. And he's the changer. He's the fixer. He's the great physician. And the question is, will you lay down on the operating table and say, God, I'll let you work on me. I'll do it your way. I won't do it my way. I won't result in things of the flesh and trying to self-medicate and trying to fix things and run my own life. You know, what degree is God running your life and what degree are you running your life? I've seen people, I've watched them change when they accept Christ, when they accept his ways, when they connect to a community, when they, when they get under the presence of 
of God and receive truth deep down in their spirit. And all of a sudden, those lies that the devil told are healed and they get truth in their spirit and they begin to walk in the truth. The Bible says, so a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So a man or a woman, how you think, so is he. If you're not careful, you'll think in your heart that you're no good because you've never received the truth from God that he says you're fearfully and wonderfully made and that he loves you unconditionally. Friends, it's been good. God bless you. Hope you have a wonderful week.